Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. I am TJ Jackson, and with me, I have my eldest brother, Todd Jackson. Hello. I'm on the And we are live on Facebook as well as YouTube. Uh, so if you're watching and joining us at the moment, thanks for joining in. Um, and, of course, you could be listening to us on our podcast. Yes, we have a podcast on all streaming, all podcast, I should say, platforms. So if you haven't listened to us or if you miss us on these streams, these live streams, make sure to check us out on the podcast where you can save episodes and and join in that way. Um, we have a great show. I'm super excited to to have our guest share his, his knowledge and experience with you guys. Um, but before we even get started on that wavelength, Taj, we need to do a disclaimer. And that is that we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who have experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and we've learned from it. So uh, saying that though, if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Do not just rely on us. Um, Taj, anything else? I should say it this way. Is there anything you want to share? Anything that happened in your week before we get going on today's show? Honestly, I don't even remember my week. So, <laughs> in true Todd Jackson uh, fashion, say, yeah, unless it's birthdays or something coming up, it's like it. Uh, all the dates have been kind of mushed together. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I, and I then for this show, I wouldn't even know it was Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, that's not something I think you want to share with people. That's so, right. uh, but it's all good. Um, Okay, I, I guess we'll just get right into it. I mean, my week, nothing crazy went on. You know, Royal's birthday is in two days, going to be 21. I think that's yeah. the most exciting. Oh, I, 21, that's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. And, you know, uh, it's crazy how, how fast time flies. But I think next week we'll have something to share about that. Um, but the one thing we should talk about before we have our guest uh, joining us is our bingo event, which is next Wednesday. So we have a, a bingo event, of, of course, because of COVID, um, our major fundraising events were postponed or canceled. So we are doing virtual events and our bingo, the DDJF bingo event is next week. There are tickets still available. You can go on any of our social media sites to find out how to get tickets. But basically, it's going to be about an hour of, of fun. So instead of a show next week, we will be doing bingo events and all money raised will be, um, from your entry fee, will be going towards our programs, our music kills, these programs, and, um, you know, other things that we have uh, going on. Saying that, Todd, did I, did I miss anything? No, I'm excited about bingo. Yeah, it should be good. I think we're doing four games and four winners, Only so three. everyone's going to have a chance to win four different chances to yeah. win. Um, what's that? Can you win twice? I think you can. I don't see why not. I plan on winning twice, so yeah, I don't see a problem with that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So make sure you get in. I don't know where we're at completely with the numbers, but get in before they do go away. There is a limit because we want it to be fun and, and personal. I'm seeing a lot of comments of people saying that they already have their tickets and they're, they're ready for bingo. So 
Nice. It's gonna be a good, good turnout. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Nice, nice. All right. So, so Taj, today's mm -hmm. guest. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, I'll say it this way. I know you probably didn't because you like to come into our shows not really. I don't want to say not really prepared. That's a not a nice way to say it. But you like to come in blindly, like the the Take community. Care. Yeah. Um, well, I had the privilege of watching our next guest. Uh, you know, he did a great TEDx talk. So um, I'm super excited to have him. And now I'm going to give you a proper bio, proper intro, so we don't cheat our, our wonderful guests. So on today's episode of the Power of Love show, we welcome Santa Barbara life coach, speaker, and author, Jesse Brizenden. Brizendine. He told me, and I still messed it up. So Jesse, when you come out here, you're going to have to fix it up for me. But Jesse is an internationally recognized lifestyle strategist who motivates, educates, and inspires people worldwide. Jesse's passion in life is helping people live their happiest, healthiest, most fulfilled life. Jesse is the creator of Zero Limits Coaching, where he works with individuals and organizations to move beyond their limitations and unlock their greatness. Business leaders, celebrities, entrepreneurs, medical professionals, and educators have utilized Jesse's services to break through limiting beliefs, uncover their unique purpose, build thriving businesses, and live fulfilling lives. Nice. Jesse's a big fan of buffets, professional wrestling, and finding the silver lining in any situation. Love, love, love all three of those things, Jesse. So without much further ado, let's welcome Jesse Brizendine to The Power of Love. Nailed How are it. you, Jesse? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. Jesse, before I get too far with my questioning, I, I do have a question. Did I butcher your last name horribly or how did I do? No, man. You, you, you had it a little off at first and you recovered and then you nailed it that second time there. That's all that matters, the recovery, right? Yeah. 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 I recovered like a champ. <laughs> so, so Jesse, um, first of all, I just saw your TEDx talk. I thought there was a lot of moments for me where it was like, oh, nice, you know? And, and you know, my brother and I, with our other brother, we've been doing this show for over two years now. We've had many different guests, many different uh, people on to talk about grief and loss and healing and hope and all that stuff. But I have to say, I, I was really impressed with, with your speech and, and the way you phrased it and the way you positioned it. Um, my first question is, can you, cause I, I watched it, but can you tell the community how your first experience with dealing with grief and your understanding of it and, and your first experience? Yeah. And thank you both again for having me on and giving me a platform to share. My first one was childhood, you know, and really in childhood, it was family pets. There was a grandmother I wasn't very close to. And then my first real one, the one that I would say really rocked and shook me to the core, the one that that will haunt and carry with so many of us and really alter the course of our life was one of my closest friends, Gabe, took his own life. Mm. And the way that it transpired is he had kind of set it up where I'd be the one to find him. And mm. so I got to him a couple minutes after he took action. He was still alive, went through the whole thing with 911 getting them there, getting him to the hospital. And eventually he was declared not able to recover and he passed. And that was one of those ones where it was such a, you know, 
grief is such an interesting thing, right? Because there's layers to it. It's never as cut and dry as someone passes away and that's it. And for this, there was death, but there was also this loss of innocence for myself. I felt like all of a sudden the world was kind of turned upside down. It was, there was a trauma from just going through that experience with my friend. There was the communal challenges, all of a sudden friendships that were so solid. This, everybody was dealing with in their own way and nobody really knew how to deal with it. So we all struggled to relate to one another in our own ways. I was dating a girl at the time. She was not able to handle me struggling, being sad. That relationship ended very shortly after that. Mm -hmm. So now this, this loss is magnified. And I finally get to a point where I feel like I'm starting to get on the horizon and I can look in the mirror and almost recognize the person that I'm seeing. And then my dad drops dead. Mm -hmm. And it was just this really small window where so much happened in such a short amount of time. And it was one of those things where I can remember vividly calling one of my closest friends. I had come home with a six pack of beer and I reached out to my friend and said, Hey, I just, I want you to let you know, I have this beer. I'm drinking it right now just because I want to break from feeling how deeply I'm feeling. And I'm telling you this because I want you to know that you have my full permission that if you see this becoming a habit from me, to please step in, say something, slap me across the face, you know, whatever you need to do. But yeah, it was just, it was so much and so heavy oftentimes. And I think the heaviness is the piece I see so many people struggling with, right? Because it's, it's like there's moment where the world stops for you and we're wrestling with all these emotions we feel, but then on the outside, we can see it carrying on mm -hmm. and everybody's doing what they've always done. And they don't realize how painful it is for us right now. Yeah, so you lost Gabe, um, then soon after lost your father, and then you lost another dear friend, best friend, Paul, in a, in a tragic car accident. Um, and then you've ex you've suffered many more additional losses that were close to you since then. W what's what's inspired you to share your story and to go this route and pursue it in a public way, to you know, and sharing your story? I was fortunate to learn very on, early on that there is power in asking questions. Mm -hmm. Suffering for so many of us will go on and on and on because we make statements that are absolutes versus asking questions and seeking answers. So the difference is, is when we say something like, my, my friend died, I'll never be happy again. That's basically signing yourself to a life sentence of grief versus my friend died. How can I be happy? Because I know he'd want me to be happy. That invites a whole different exploration. And so when I had lost these other people, especially after Paul died, because it was this other very tragic loss in such a short window of time. But the difference was with him is I had unfortunately in a way, you know, I had kind of calloused myself to it. I'd gone through it enough at that point and I had become wildly curious about what it looks like to heal. And I started to observe myself. So there was this part of me that was grieving, but there's this other part of me that was observing others. And I started asking myself questions, you know, why am I able to smile, to laugh right now and others aren't? Why am I able to wake up and be happy? Why am I able to still feel gratitude at a time when you know, my best friend is no longer here and others aren't? And I, 
it became obvious to me that there must be something or some things that I was doing differently than everybody else. And as I started to really use myself as a guinea pig, and I became the student of what was I doing, observing myself, and then I started observing others and seeing what was what was the difference that made the difference? Why was it that some people were able to heal? You know, we all come to these fork in the road moments when we lose loved ones. And there's literally this, these two choices of, of, of how life was and how life can be. And so many of us get stuck there with one foot in the past and one foot resistant to going in the future because we're terrified that if we go forward, it means we leave the loved one behind. And I wanted to be able to help people. I desperately wanted to be able to help people get out of that place and be able to walk as tenderly as needed, but be able to take those tender steps nonetheless. In, in the... In your TEDx talk, and for everyone who wants to go, maybe go see it, it's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, about 18 minutes of, you know, especially if you're dealing with grief or if you're finding yourself stuck in a position of sadness and despair, It's I, I strongly recommend it. It's called Grief is Not a Life Sentence. Um, but in there, first, I am going to ask you a question about the title. But first, I want to ask you, was there a situation because of what I took away from it was was your ability to focus on the healing instead of focusing on grief and the sadness? And I think it's something that I can go back to my times when I've lost a loved one, you know, whether it was my mother or uncle or another family member. Um, I find myself going into a, a shallow place and um, a sad place and it, it is. It's it's kind of challenging because you don't know when you're supposed to not grieve or you know not grieve anymore, yeah. or when you're supposed to turn the page to healing and and be able to celebrate that person without feeling any guilt. So my question, I guess, is in your opinion, that how important is that focusing on healing versus focusing on grief, and is is there a time when that should be something that's consciously on your mind? Yeah, excellent question, and I appreciate so much you asking it because. Sometimes when people, one of the biggest questions I get from that talk is people will say, well, isn't it important, isn't it important for us to process emotions? Absolutely, 100%, yes. When you need to cry, especially in those early days, weeks, months, cry. When you need to scream, scream. When you need to be angry, angry. And what I tell people is healing process begins in the in-between moments. What in-between moments are, they're the moments when you come up and you finish just snot sobbing so much that your eyes hurt, your face hurts, and then you take a breath. And it's in that breath, when you take that breath, you are feeling, just for a brief moment, but you are feeling something different other than grief. It's kind of like when, you know, when you, it's, a, it's a funny example to use, but you know when you have to go to the bathroom really bad? And you're literally doing the pee-pee dance and you can't, you can't go. And all you can think about it is when you finally get to the bathroom, there is that moment of relief. Mm. It's those moments in between, I call them the in-between moments, that are moments where we're feeling and experiencing something other than despair, sadness, grief. And those are the moments we can look to healing. It's the deep breath after the long cry. It's the time when you wake up in the morning and just for that brief instant, you're not thinking about what happened in the past. It's in those moments that we can express gratitude. It's in those moments that we can look to a truth that is greater than the sadness and grief that we feel. And that truth is, is that our loved ones would want us to live in a way that makes us happy, 
makes us laugh, makes us celebrate life. They would be absolutely heartbroken if our lives became nothing but sadness, pain, and grief on their behalf. Mm. And there's this, there's a lie of loss. And that lie of loss is, is that we must feel guilt and grief for an indefinite time to quantify our love. It becomes this thing, like the more pain I feel, it's an example of how much I love. Not true. Love is love. Mm -hmm. And just the same as we're able to love a loved one when they're physically alive, but they're on the other side of the country, or they're in another town, or they're off at work, and we can't physically experience them, but we still have that love and connection. We're still able to love and connect with our loved ones if we choose to love them and not be not have our primary baseline be guilt and we start to get there by focusing on those in between moments those moments between the cries those moments between the the anger the frustration so it's so important feel those feelings it is incredibly important to feel the feelings and focus on those in between moments is there anything for some out there especially during this pandemic we're going through there's many people that are dealing with sudden loss and unexpected loss is there any advice you would give them that can help them start start the process of healing or when they start to feel like they're on the mend because yeah. i have to assume there's many out there that are like i said dealing with the sudden loss and feeling completely lost and feeling hopeless mm -hmm. so is there um yeah is there a moment where where it gets better for them and what advice would you give them for someone who's dealt with a sudden loss for a loved yeah. one? Yeah. And I appreciate you acknowledging that because we're in such a strange time where we're dealing with, excuse me, we're dealing with physical losses, deaths, a loved one. But so many of us are dealing with other forms of losses, the loss of a job and the identity that goes with it, what it means to be a man or a woman when based off of our employment, our status, the loss of, basic freedoms that we thought we had, the loss of a familiarity in the way, way of life. Many of us struggle with fear and uncertainty. So we've lost much of the certainty that gives us our sanity, if you will. And not only that, we have such this highly emotionally charged environment right now where we feel like we're losing friends because we believe different things in them. We have different opinions. So the first thing I would encourage people to, to acknowledge is, is your emotions are your emotions. One of the mistakes we'll make is we will compare. Mm -hmm. And so I will do something like I hear you, you tell me, you tell me that, well, you just lost your best friend. And then I think, oh gosh, I mean, your best friend is way more severe than my job loss. Mm -hmm. This isn't about comparing a life to a career. What it's about is while you're experiencing grief, pain, sadness, despair, I'm experiencing grief, pain, sadness, despair. Just the same as you may cry yourself asleep because you feel scared, alone, uncertain about the future. I'll cry myself to sleep because I feel scared, alone, and uncertain by the future. So we wanna give ourselves permission to not compare, honor our own unique journey. That's critical because what it does is it allows us just to focus on our own emotions as opposed to trying to sort our emotions out in comparison to other people. We'll often make the healing work much more harder when we're comparing our journey to someone else. Mm -hmm. And the second thing with it is I would encourage everybody is, is to look for the blessings. You know, we have these expressions that we say, oh, it's been a bad day. I, I don't believe there's anything such as a bad day. There are absolutely horrific and horrible moments. But even in our worst days, you will find there's some good in every day. 
You know, you imagine the most painful, difficult day you've ever experienced. And imagine experiencing that day if your arm was chopped off or if you weren't able to breathe or if you had been blinded or something like that. And this isn't to give scenarios that devalue the intensity of one's experience. What it is is to give perspective. If we start to say everything is a bad day, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. Because what we're doing is we have, it's, it becomes the picture of the rain cloud and we're walking around, it follows us everywhere we go. We won't open the umbrella up and we won't step out from underneath it. So what we can do is we can start to acknowledge some of the blessings in the day. Hey, you know what, if you're struggling and you got out of bed, that's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're struggling, you did some exercise, you ate a healthy breakfast, you drank some water, that's awesome. Reach out for help to have conversations. Like I think one of the most incredible things that is coming out of this time is there's programs. And I know you guys have been doing this for a while, but there's more and more people having conversations about these things, having real conversations about emotions. We're not just glossing over it and going over and saying, Oh yeah, here, let's go do this. We're really going in and honoring the human experience. So reach out to someone, even if you feel like your friends, your immediate family may not, there's all the folks in the chat that are obviously showing an interest in this reach out to someone. They may be a total stranger right now and they may become a fast friend because you're able to communicate over important issues like this. I love it. And then that's one of the main reasons why we started this. We wanted to build a community where people can feel friendly and, and reach out to each other and share stories. And um, so I appreciate that answer. I have a quick question for you. Um, and then I want to go to a couple questions I see in the community. Um, Grief is not a life sentence. That is the name of the TEDx talk uh, that, you, that you've done, the great TEDx talk. Where did you come up with the name and what do you mean by that? Yeah, when I was early on in exploring things and I remember, I remember after Gabe died, going and talking to a friend and it was two days after he had passed away And I remember meeting her and I'm about six foot three and change and she's about five foot four. So there's a bit of a height discrepancy, right? And as I'm approaching her, she looks up at me and she just breaks down crying. And she says, I want to help you so badly, but I don't know what to do. And then that led to these discussions where the best well-intentioned advice I was getting from people was they said, you know, grief has no timeline. You may grieve the rest of your life. There's no time frame for when this gets better. And I was just, I, I was in that state where I was like, wait, this isn't acceptable for me. I don't want to feel this way the rest of my life. You know, if, if, I, if I was to walk outside, trip and fall and scrape my knee and my knee hurts, it's bleeding. I don't want to have my knee hurt bleeding the rest of my life. I want to figure out how I can heal it, how I can take care of it. What do I need to do to nurture it, to help it get better? And I just could not accept that well-intentioned advice. I knew, and I also deep down, I knew even in those early days, Gabe would not want my life to be a life consumed by grief because of him. Yeah. Right. And so I wanted to really seek out what it would look like to heal. So it became that because I felt like it was kind of one of those um, myth busts, right? It, It doesn't have to be, Losing someone does not have to be a life sentence where you're condemned to feeling this emotion of, of deep sorrow and despair for the rest of your life, that it's possibility to experience something else beyond that. 
And I and I love the way you phrase all that because I think especially the part of when you lose a loved one, the loved one wouldn't want you grieving and and um in a and I should say the loved one wouldn't want you in a down negative space where you're not getting out of bed, where you're not living your life. Oh. And that's something that I don't think we when we experience loss, us grievers, we don't really think about, you know, and, and it's nice to hear you say that and remind us that if we've lost a loved one, that loved one wants us to live our best life and, and to carry on and grow from the experience. And I think that's an important reminder. That, yeah, I think for me, I think that was one of the saving grace, um, graces when my mom passed, because that was actually the first thing I thought of. And it Mm. actually, helped me so much because I was like, my mom wouldn't want me to be sad. You know, I mean, she did everything for us in that when she was our best friend and in that way. But when you feel how close you are with, with someone, you do know it's like, they would want you to be happy. Yeah. Even though you can't feel happiness right now, it's not in you. It's that decision to say, okay, you know, this is what they would want. It kind Mm -hmm. of turns the corner in a way, at least it did for me that I gave myself permission to start being happy. And so. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, there's an understandable sadness that your mom would feel. My dad would understand. They understand that we feel these emotions and maybe they'd be a little flattered of how sad we are because (laughs) we maybe didn't do the best job of articulating how much we loved and cared about them while we were here because they're being our parents and they weren't understanding (laughs) how right we were in those times they were grounding us. But there's also exactly that. They want us to, they they would want us to thrive at life. They'd want us to thrive at life and they probably want us to thrive at life even more in their absence than they were when they were here because it, it really is turning over the to the next generation. And it's it's giving us the opportunity to overcome probably the biggest hurdle we'll ever overcome. Mm-hmm. And if we can overcome that and I, you know, and I think you you guys are similar to me where I think life purpose is often found in pl- sources of our greatest pain or our greatest pleasure. You know, the three of us would not be here having this conversation today. And this goes back to finding the blessings. We would not be here having a conversation today if we hadn't lost the people that we lost. Mm-hmm. True. Okay, we have a couple of questions from the community that I that I want to highlight. Uh, from Marie, she asked, "Do you have any advice for self-destructive behavior after bereavement?" Yeah, great question, Marie. And I won't, I don't want to guess what self-destructive is for you because I would be putting my own assumptions. So what I would say is this: getting to the basics. Your breath is so powerful. Your breath is so incredibly powerful. And if you just play with different variations of how you breathe, a lot of times we will engage in self-destructive behavior because we feel like we can't escape the prison of our own thoughts. And in that kind of state, in that focus, our breath starts to become very panicked. We feel afraid, we feel scared. And so we start to engage in behaviors that's gonna pull us out of that, you know, this is the fight or flight response. Playing with your breathing, Doing something as simple as really deep breath in, trying to hold it for a few seconds, exhaling out. Also doing it while walking is even better. You get a two for one with that. If you find that even while walking and breathing, you're still having a little bit of trouble with it, walk backwards. 
Just a simple gesture of changing something that is biomechanically unfamiliar will force your brain to focus on doing something differently. And in so doing, your brain, our brains as sophisticated as they are, we can't hold two competing thoughts. It's either going to be, I'm going to focus on what's making me sad, or I'm going to focus on making sure I don't fall over and run into the tree behind me. And in that moment, self-preservation usually will kick in. So just playing with little tiny things like that are simple, easy ones to do. If you want some more specifics, Marie, you can just message afterwards, and I'll be happy to help give you some advice on that. Love it. Um, and this is a good actually time to to just showcase. This is Jesse's Instagram at J E S S E B R I S E N D I N E. That is at Jesse Brizendine. Did I butcher it, Jesse? That's okay. No, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. You're like three, four in a row right now. <laughs> I just went with it. I went what felt yeah. natural. So. so impressed. So impressed. <laughs> okay, before I ask a couple more questions, I do want to uh, ask, ask this question on behalf of Sophie. What is your advice for parents who have to stay strong for their children? Thank you. Great question, Sophie. You know, one of the things I do is I do some mentorship for a group of widowed men and or widowers. And so men who have lost their spouses and without fail, the biggest struggle is going through in the parents who are the, the spouses who are left behind and their children and trying to figure out how to stay strong with them. Because what we're all taught is we have to stay strong. You know, our, the American culture especially is, is, is carry on, suck it up barrier feelings, we can't show weakness, vulnerability is weakness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would suggest that it's actually quite the opposite. I think one of the greatest superpowers, untapped into superpowers in humanity is our vulnerability. And your children are likely feeling very deeply. And if you create, and, and you also know that your children are going to be sponges. They are learning firsthand from you. And if you are having to feel like you're stuffing emotions on their behalf, guess what they're learning? How to stuff emotions on your behalf. So what I would really suggest is have a time where you sit down and you have heartfelt sharing. And maybe it's it's two, three nights a week where you all gather around the dinner table and you just say, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now? And let them express it in whatever way it needs, you know, language, whatever is uh, whatever is required. Just talk it out. And the same with you. If you are feeling just desperately sad in that moment, talk about how desperately sad you feel and why you feel that. And let your kids do the same. Now, here's the, here's, here's the caveat with this. You have this time for heartfelt sharing with the agreement that at the conclusion of it, all of you are going to do something to then honor the person that you lost, honor your husband, honor your wife, honor their father. Meaning that after you have a time to share, to talk about, to express what you're feeling, you, there's an agreement that you're going to get up and go for a walk or go plant the garden or go do something simple that you know that that loved one would absolutely be thrilled to have you do, especially as a family unit. And then that is becomes a really beautiful way to healthily, healthily, if I could talk, Mm -hmm. process things with your children, not hide things from them, but communicate with them about what's a very real thing. And then also teach them about choice and that we have a choice. We can live in a way that is consumed by those emotions, or we can live intentionally to honor those we've lost. Nice. 
A question from Christina. What is the best way to find closure with an unexpected death? Great question, Christina. I would encourage you not so much to look for closure as much as I would encourage you to look for love. What we focus on, we're inevitably going to experience. And often with unexpected deaths, and I can attest to this because I, when I lost Gabe, my father was completely unexpected. My father I had gone had gone through two years of cancer treatment. Literally two weeks before he got he died, he had gone in for his checkup. The doctor looks him in the eye, shakes his hand, says, "Congratulations, Mike, you're cancer free. You have your whole life in front of you." He drops dead two weeks later. Mm. If I'm constantly looking for closure, what I'm really saying to myself is I'm trying to look for something that helps me make sense of what I already know is a senseless situation. And for many of us, many of the people we're going to lose in our lifetime, you know, it's a privilege to grow old and die the way we think we're supposed to. You know, life doesn't always work out so nice and neatly like that as much as we'd like to. What I would encourage everyone to do instead is look for love. How can we love? How can we honor them? What would your friend, your family member, your spouse, your significant other, what would they absolutely love for you today? That would be such a beautiful way to honor them. And that becomes a much more empowering thing because closure is, is I, I find it to be extremely elusive, especially to the level of satisfaction that we want that helps us make sense of a senseless situation. But I find love, on the other hand, is quite abundant if we really focus on it and look for it. I think that's brilliantly said, Jesse. Uh, closure is elusive. Love is abundant. I love that. Um, I want to share this comment from Sheila because I thought it was very profound and strong and on point. Uh, my husband told me before he died, he wanted me to have a good life after he's gone. And and that's beautifully said, Sheila. We are sending our love to you. And um, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think it's just it supports what you were saying. And, and what I believe is that our loved ones, when we lose them, they want us to go on. They want us to thrive. They want us to be happy. So that's something we have to have to remember. Um, all right, Jesse, I want to talk about your book. You have a book that came out just a couple of weeks ago called How to Be Crazy Amazing During Difficult Times, right? Yep, yep. Because cool. at first I thought it was how to be crazy, awesome during difficult times, but it is not awesome. It's amazing during difficult times. So my first question is, what can readers expect from this book and where can they get a copy? Yeah, this book is really neat. It came through an idea of, I, so I, start, I give quick context. I started a podcast in, in March, beginning of April, back when we thought our biggest fear was running out of toilet paper and that we were only going to be locked down for two weeks. And I thought, okay, well, I'll get two weeks of content, be able to support people through this. Well, here we are all these months later. And through that, I've gotten to meet some really cool people as this podcast has continued to evolve. And one of the ideas that came from it from one of the guests was we should write a book that we could have just be completely free and its resources to help people. So there's a, a couple authors who agreed to do it. And then somebody asked, well, I want a hard copy. And we decided, well, we'd sell hard copies to people who wanted it with all the proceeds being donated to various charities. And my, my proceeds go to this organization called the Stray Cat Alliance, which is down in Los Angeles. And they find basically rescue cats, save them from kill shelters. And I, my, they're just, they're just such an incredible organization. And I've had some personal experience with them and just brought such joy to my life. So people can get it on there. It's basically a book of stories 
people who have gone through different experiences in all varying aspects of life and just trying to share a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of hope, some strategies, some resources. You can get it on Amazon if you want a physical copy and it's completely for free if you just want the digital copy. Great. And that is that from your a website, Jesse, to get it, it for free? It is on, I think you can go actually on Amazon and okay. there's a free option on there, I think, through the Kindle okay. app. Yeah. Okay. If not, of course, you can DM Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> I just threw that out there, Jesse, yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then, Jesse, the happiness guide, how does this differ? What is the happiness guide that you do? Oh, yeah. The happiness guide. Gosh. So it's this, it's this I, little, what's the term? I guess a little guide, since I call it the happiness guide. Just 52 tips, strategies, ways that you can go about being happy. I would see a lot of things online where you know, people were talking about everything other than happiness. I thought, why didn't I just put some more happiness on there? So it's a free gift that I have on my website. It's, you know, it's what, what do they call it? The ethical bribe to get people to sign up to my newsletter. <laughs> gotcha, and, gotcha. Right? Isn't that what it's called? An ethical bribe? Yes. And so they can sign up and they get the happiness guide with it. And it's, it's just a really great little resource and some ideas about how you can be more happy. And, and what is the website, Jesse? Is it www. Yeah, jessebrisendine.com. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, Okay, and then I had one more question before I get to a couple more of our community questions and then we'll close. Um, but I want to talk about your life coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, what inspired you to go into that field and who do you think could benefit from your style of coaching and what you offer? Yeah, thank you for that. I went into it because so right after college, I was went into personal training. And from my own transformation, I, I grew up, I was the shyest, most insecure person you ever meet. I used to spend, gosh, 30 minutes a day in high school in front of a mirror picking my nose because I was so terrified that if I had one burger visible, people would see me for the horrible, awful person that I believed I was. Mm -hmm. I had tried to take my life when I was a young kid because I felt so deeply responsible for the pain and suffering of my parents. And I thought if I was gone, then it would free them to be happy. So needless to say, I showed up with a lot of baggage and really not a very positive self-image. Once I was able to work through some of that, I went into training because I thought this would be a great way to support people in that. And I got to a point in there where I felt like I had accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and there had to be a way to help people on a larger scale. And coaching seemed like coaching speaking seemed like it was a natural transition because what it allows me to do is really work with this and this. I think the two greatest superpowers all human beings have is the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel. And I think that, you know, any good superhero story, you need to have an arch nemesis. And with us, it's the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel. So much of my work is about getting these two awesome superpowers working together and for someone towards creating business life relationships that they want, as opposed to most of us, we get stuck and we struggle because there's opposition around them. Nice. Okay, uh, and then we have a couple of questions that I want to ask real quick on behalf of our community. Janine asked, Jesse, why do you think some people stop talking about loved ones who have passed? That's a great question. You know, everybody has different reasons, but I think for most people, it's because they've gotten to a place where they are comfortable, you know, comfortable with bearing their pain. 
and they've just made that adjustment. It's kind of like when we when we hurt our back or we hurt our elbow or we hurt something, and we know we should probably go to the doctor, but we don't. And we just carry on and then eventually we adjust to pain becoming the new normal. I think for a lot of people, they've learned how to stuff it. You know, that's what many of us are taught as kids. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I do not remember once in school where there was any sort of lesson on, hey, when you lose someone because you're going to, this is what you do. We had to learn more important stuff like, you know, quadratic equations will often make you cry and other stuff like that. So it just, there wasn't a space. I think a lot of people, they haven't figured out how to deal with their own emotions yet. And so it's just easier for them not to deal with them and to pretend like it's not there. It's a great answer. And Jen asks, we lost my mom almost two months ago. And so, and so soon after mom died, people kept asking me what my plans were as far as me possibly moving. But I felt like the questions were too soon. How can I explain to someone that I feel those questions are little and sensitive right now? I just want to take some time to start healing. Great question, Jen. And my heart goes out to you for your mom. And you're absolutely right. Like this, this time is sacred time for you, for your family to take and really heal, reflect. And you have no responsibility to answer any of those types of questions, anyone. And I would just say that you're under no obligation to answer those questions. You know, sometimes what is the expression? Inquiring minds want to know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in this social media we know everything about everyone else's world. We sometimes will ask questions and maybe it's from best of intent. I think a lot of times it is for most people, but they just come across as insensitive because we don't have life experience and capacity in that moment to know how to be more sensitive to it. Hmm. What I would just say is exactly your last sentence. You know, I'm not even thinking about that right now. I'm just focusing on healing. And it's as simple as that. And if they prod and poke at it, repeat it. You know, I'm not really thinking about that right now. I'm just focusing on healing. And in the more congruent you are with your direction, the less likely people are going to be to ask. People ask more when they see you kind of going, well, you know, going back and forth like that, just commit to healing. And that's your messaging. And that's all that's fine. And if it's not good enough for them, well, you know, not everybody's going to love in an out burger and that's just tough, tough cookies. That's right. (laughs) Love it. And then, uh, Jesse, I want to share this from Elhan. She says, I lost someone I knew from school, from my school community. And now I know from this that we would want, he would want me to live my best life. I still, I do still miss his laughter to this day. And that's exactly right. I think that's something, again, that's something I'm definitely taking from this episode is our loved one who we've lost would want us to thrive and be happy and live our best life. Let's continue to remember that. Yeah. Um, all right, Jesse. So we are at the time. We went a little over, um, but you are fantastic. And I hope that's okay on for you. I hope we're not pushing you to be late for something. Nope, I'm um, good, guys. <laughs> but I, I want to um, give you that minute that I explained before the show and where you could talk about anything you want to share to our community. Yeah, I, I mentioned that, you know, one of the things that's been really fun for me this this year has been doing the handful of hope podcasts. I'll have to have you guys on and, and reciprocate the yeah. paper. It's been a, it's been a just, it's been an incredible thing. And what I've seen through that is, you know, if you turn your the news on, there's a picture being painted that we all can't stand each other. Nobody's getting along and anything like that. And my experience has been quite the contrary. It's been having really meaningful conversations like this with really inspiring people like yourselves 
who are doing really incredible work in the world to love and support others. And the more I see that, the more I am so deeply inspired by humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think the scope that we all have to really grow and evolve together, I just, I see the love being poured out through platforms like this and others. And then I guess the last piece of that would be, I, since it was mentioned early on, I, I love professional wrestling. Love it. <laughs> and I was so excited because the Super Bowl of professional wrestling was supposed to be in LA next year at Staples Center. Oh. I was all set to go, finally fulfill this lifelong childhood dream. And now they're going to move it away because of COVID because they can't have it there. So I, hopefully in 2022, the, the opportunity will be there to go. But I, yeah, I absolutely love professional wrestling. It's such a, it's such a, it's not even a guilty pleasure. What am I saying? I'm so proud of it. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's, just a, it's a pleasure, period. So who's the best wrestler of all time? Oh, man, that's such a loaded question. There's, <laughs> there's, there's different ones for different things. Like, I think top best three. Top three. top three for you. I think Talker, The Rock. Yeah, the Rock's just next level. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think The Rock, I think in-ring overall performers, you have the whole package like Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, John Cena. Yeah. But yeah, I would say The Rock, I think, was the full, just <laughs> so much of wrestling is the theater. And he yeah. nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Yeah. It's it's funny because we are we grew up as huge wrestling fans as well. So, you know, from Ultimate Warrior to obviously Andre the Giant, that's all that's all of us as well. Who else, Taj? Rowdy Piper. Rowdy yeah. Piper. Even Kamala. And rest yeah. in peace, Kamala. He recently passed. Yeah. Um, but, okay, let's let's wrap this show up. So you mentioned a handful of Hope Podcasts. I do want to just remind people that that is a podcast that can be heard on all the platforms. How do yep. we get access to it? Okay, so podcast, yep. Apple Podcasts. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. So. I, I love that, and and I think at one point we do have to do a follow up to talk more about this because that could have been a whole show in itself. But for everyone out there who wants more information on Jesse, you can go to www.jessebrissendine.com. Um, now I got to say this because you are the first time, first guest Jesse, where I've asked the guest prior to starting the show, is there anything you want to promote? Is there anything that you have going on that you want us to talk about? Jesse's answer was, I just want to share the love for your foundation. He really just wanted us to promote our foundation. I didn't accept that, especially reading over everything you are doing. You have a podcast, you have a happiness guide, you have your life coaching, you have a book you just released. You're a solid person, Jesse, and I just want to thank you for being that solid person. We need more of you in this world, and I love the way you're doing it. You're doing it in a way where everyone can access it, you know, from the podcast to the TED Talk to uh, your, your Handful of Hope podcast um, and your book. You're doing it in such an awesome way, so I just wanted to thank you on behalf of Taj, our foundation, and our community for joining us and sharing that love. So... With that said, um, Taj, anything else you want to add before we close this episode? No, this is, thank you so much, Jesse. This is great. And, you know, I mean, as, when we experienced loss, me, me and my brothers, we wish that we would have had something like what you're providing in that way. And I just think it, I'm always so happy when people are sharing 
their knowledge and their experience and helping others. So thanks for being on. Yeah, I thank you both of you for holding this space for creating this platform. And I mean, it. I, I just, it's so incredibly beautiful to see the two of you and what you're doing and creating these platforms and having these conversations because we all have choice and there's lots of things we could do with our time. And it's a absolutely beautiful choice that you are making and how you're honoring your mom, your family members that you've lost and just the space that you're holding for others. And I think that it's through conversations like this that we can make a massive difference in how people experience loss, help ease and maybe even eliminate some of the suffering that comes with it. And through all that, we all learn to love each other a little bit more. So thank you, both of you. Awesome. All right. From the man himself, Jesse Brizendine, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next Wednesday for the bingo game. I almost said for a, a brand new episode, but it's for our bingo game. Bingo. Until then, everyone, be safe, stay love, and focus on healing. And it's Diana's birthday. Happy birthday, Diana. Happy birthday, Diana. Diana. All right. We are out. Thank you, guys. Adios. <laughs>